I am terrified, not so much that the culture, the world, those who don't, are not followers of Christ don't fear the Lord. What disturbs me is the lack of fear of God that I see among Christians. I fear that we don't fear God. Hello and welcome to Living a Legacy with author and Bible teacher Crawford Lorenz. Join us as we continue in our series, Awestruck. Well, how about what Crawford said? Do we as believers fear God enough? Do we often fall into a very simple view of God? We'll examine that again today in Crawford's message, The Blessing of Fear. Crawford has been in public ministry for nearly 50 years. He recently retired as pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia, where he served for 15 years. His books include Unshaken, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, A Passionate Commitment, and Leadership as an Identity. Crawford now heads the organization Beyond Our Generation, a Christian leadership mentoring program. We join hundreds of radio stations and online listeners each week, and we're so glad to have you with us today. At the end of our program, I'll tell you how to download many of Crawford's messages without cost. Let's get right to today's scripture. It's Psalm 25, verses 12 through 14. Psalm 25, 12 through 14. Here's Crawford Loretz on living a legacy. It's sort of a strange thing to do a series on the fear of God. That doesn't market well. That doesn't sell well. It's not as transactional as practical, practical how-tos. But there's not, there's not a book of the Bible that you can read without seeing the fear of God all over it. Now, I made a distinction about the fear of the Lord. We have this terrible tendency, as I said last week, to, to project on God what our experience is and then therefore redefine what we mean about certain things. In other words, uh, um, we think of the fear of the Lord, and quite frankly, a lot of us think of the fear of God. We go, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. You know, we, 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 some of us have been abused by, by folks, and authority figures have mistreated us. They've done things to us. They, they've not had our best interest at heart. And so we tend to hijack that experience and shove that back on God. Well, the problem with all of that is that God is not dysfunctional. God is not abusive. And so when we talk about the fear of God, we're not talking about a reflection of the abusive authority figures in our lives and the people who have walked over us. Uh, God's fear is transformative. Uh, the fear of the Lord is meant to change us and, and to help us and, and, to, and, to, and to move us to where we need to be. And so when we talk about the fear of the Lord, the fear of God, we're speaking of something engaging. Now here's a problem that I have. When, when, when you talk about the fear of God, and you've heard me say this up here many, many times, there are certain topics, there's certain themes, there's certain attributes of God that defy human articulation and definition. And, and, and the fear of the Lord is really sort of like, sort of like a component of holiness. And it's very difficult to define it, but I took a stab at it last week, and this is, this is Crawford's definition of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a comprehensive sense of awe and profound respect for the majesty and power of God. It's a comprehensive sense of awe and profound respect for the majesty and power of God. Gave a couple of illustrations. It's, it's, it's like being engulfed in something that is too wonderful. It's wonderfully frightening, peering over the Grand Canyon and, or as a little boy standing at Niagara Falls or going in the inside passage in Alaska and seeing these huge glaciers or 
whatever it is, you, you, you're left speechless by the wonder and the power of it all. Uh, to help us further understand that, I walked through an experience that Isaiah had in Isaiah chapter 6 when he came into the temple mourning the loss of Uzziah who had reigned 52 years in Judah and, and had been marvelously used of God and yet he died shamefully, compromised. And in that, in that narrative you see this, this sort of four scenes. Isaiah goes into the temple, and what is he struck with? He, what did he see? He saw the awesome splendor and majesty of God. He saw worship. He saw his power. Secondly, what, what, did, he, what did he feel? What did he feel? He felt unclean. He felt unworthy. And when he saw God, and he saw the beauty of God, and he walked in that presence, you see, he was acutely aware of the fact that he was sinful and unclean and dirty. What did he experience? Based upon that confession, he experienced the nearness of God. The angel comes to him and cleanses him. In fact, he experienced cleansing, but he also experienced clarity. All of this, all wonder, he gets close to God, and God cleans him up and gives him a calling. Then what did he do? Well, he submitted, and he obeyed. That's a taste, a taste of the fear of God. Now, what are the benefits of the fear of God? What are the blessings of the fear of God? A little bit of an anchor text here is uh, Psalm 25, verse 14. For the intimate things, friendship, intimate things of the Lord belong to those who fear him. Remember I made the point, you, this is a, a really weird thing. You, it, it's hard for us to get our heads around this, but you can't get close to God unless you fear him. In fact, our over-familiarity with the Lord will entrench distance. When we try to domesticate God and reduce him of who he is, we lose intimacy with him. So he says, so he says, the secret things of the Lord belong to those who fear, fear him. How does it make you feel when someone honors you? When they respect you? When they serve you? How does it make you feel? Someone, someone comes to you and lets you know how much your life has meant to them or what you've said means to them or who you are has blessed them and helped them. How does that, how does that make you feel? It makes you, makes you want to move toward them, doesn't it? Profound gratitude grabs you. You're grateful, but their gratitude pulls your heart to them. What are you inclined to do, for example, when your children listen to you, obey you, and express their gratitude to you? I mean, after you pick yourself up off the floor, but what, 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 what are you inclined to do? 
And, and this is the sense I want you to feel here. This is not so distant. It, it, this is very understandable. As we step into the blessings and benefits of fear, what God does for those of us who fear him is the same thing that we do for those that we have uh, are under our authority who express gratitude and, 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 and thanksgiving to us and they, they, they obey us. And, uh, you know, how does it make you feel when your teenage daughter or son says to you, you said, Mom, Dad, I really want to do this, but you told me not to do it. I, I don't agree, but I, Mom and Dad, I know that you know best, and so I will obey. You want to you protect them. You want to rush to them. You want to do all that is good for them. You want to bless them. Now, let me just say quickly before we get into these things that we don't fear God in order to get benefits from him. We fear him because of who he is. Now, I gotta walk a little bit of a tender balance here. Um, the, the problem with Western Christianity is, is that it's mired in pragmatism. It's sort of a little bit of a quid pro quo here. If I do the right things, I'll get the right things. It's sort of this meritocracy that we get involved in here that I'll, this should happen, then 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 this should happen. And so we can have this concept as if God is some mega game show host or something. That if we just kind of like string out the right stuff, we, bingo, you are, and this is what you get. And you gotta be careful of that. Now, to be sure, rewards, for example, they're in the Bible. They're in the Bible. And that we are rewarded for our faithfulness. However, you gotta watch the nuance there, the perspective there. We don't serve God because we're getting rewarded. We don't do that because we're getting rewarded. In fact, in Scripture, is that after we receive our rewards, what does the Bible say? We're going to cast all of our crowns at his feet. So it, it, is, it is, yes, yes, it's part of it. That's part of being faithful. But we serve him because we're grateful. That is the ultimate motivation. We're grateful. We, we, we want to glorify him. And so I don't want to make this fear of God a quid pro quo thing, this little thing with fear the Lord, and this is what you get, this is what you get, this is what you get. It is right to fear God. Isaiah had, had none of these benefits in mind when God revealed himself to him. He fell at his feet. He was just grateful for the cleansing after he saw the power of God. But there are benefits. Just as there are blessings for obedience. So there are benefits to fearing the Lord. Now, I've only listed five today. There are a number of them. I decided to restrict the, the, the benefits that I'm going to articulate today to, this, to, the, to the book of Psalms. And the reason why I, I kept it to Psalms is because, as one scholar points out, Psalms could, could be called the anthology of worship. And worship really is nothing more than the response to the fear of God. Worship. And so there are five benefits, five blessings that come from fearing God, from fearing him. And let me just say again, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's very important. I, I, am, I, I am terrified, not so much that the culture, the world, those who don't, are not followers of Christ don't fear the Lord. What disturbs me is the lack of fear of God that I see among Christians. To me, that's even more appalling because unbelievers, they're supposed to act like who they are. But I fear that we don't fear 
God. And thus, we're not experiencing these transformative blessings and the sweetness and depth in which they, they were intended. So let me just click off these benefits, these blessings. The very first benefit or blessing that comes from the fear of the Lord is wisdom. Wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10, that off-quoted verse says, now listen to the words, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now what is wisdom? Uh, Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not just discernment. Wisdom technically is not just insight. What is wisdom? Um, Wisdom is the skillful, practical application of knowledge and experience. That's wisdom. The skillful, practical application of knowledge and experience. Uh, You know, I think sometimes we get confused about a few things. Wisdom and intelligence are not necessarily the same thing. You can be brilliant and smart, but not wise. Brilliance doesn't equal common sense. I can't tell you the number of very bright, brilliant, insightful, articulate people that I've met who don't have common sense. They can't remember what door they walked in. So wisdom, and don't, don't get that confused. We, we think because someone is insightful, someone can analyze something, or someone can articulate something, or someone has insight about something, that that necessarily means that they're wise. No, 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 no. That doesn't mean wisdom. Notice it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is a journey to be embarked upon and the journey begins with and is, and is sustained by the fear, the fear of the Lord. You cannot shortcut wisdom. You can't microwave wisdom. You can't read a book on it and all of a sudden become it. Uh, wisdom, wisdom uh, implies patience and endurance. It is a journey. It is a journey. And just because you've seen a lot doesn't necessarily make you wise. Which is the difference between, uh, you know, we have a generation now that have grown up on screens. They, 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 they've seen all kinds of stuff. You touch a button, you got access to everything. You Google it and take it, you answer questions just like that, just like that, just like that. Got a lot of Facebook friends, Instagram friends, uh, uh, you know, f- uh, tons of followers on, on my Twitter account. And you think because there's this rapid exchange of information that it's making you wise. No, it's making you informed. But wisdom is the product of experience, of endurance, and of patience. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And there's a relationship between reverence and wisdom, between worship and wisdom. If you want real wisdom, it begins by falling at the feet of our Savior of exalting our great God. And perhaps some of us lack wisdom because we are not close to God. 
It's not a matter of not having more information or more insight or more contacts or, or, or getting what. It, it's some of us, we, we, we're, we feel like we need wisdom. And my first thing is, well, how's your heart? How's your walk with God? How's your communion with him? For that's not just a poetic statement. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I would add to this that true wisdom is the product of humility. You can't truly be wise unless you're humble. The very expression of fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom implies submission. It implies humility. Submission to God causes us to see clearly and appreciate deeply life from God's perspective. The wisdom that comes from above. And in order to have that wisdom, there needs to be submission. And I would argue that this is also true just in terms of life. Wisdom is the product of submitting to life's enduring lessons. I'm gonna be doing a brief series on a profile of a fool here in a few weeks. And uh, one of the things that you, you know about fools, associated with fools is pride, resistance, the fighting against life endu- life's enduring lessons. Fools just will not submit to the stuff that is always true. They refuse to. And wisdom is always the product of humility. Always. The signature of a fool is pride. The signature of the humble is wisdom. And so, the very first benefit from the fear of the Lord, when you bask in his presence, you fall at his feet, you worship him in wonder. He says, now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You won't waste your life as long as you stay in my presence. The second benefit of the fear of the Lord is goodness. Goodness. Listen to these sweet words. In fact, close your your eyes and let me just read these words over you from Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. (laughs) Oh my, just sit back and marinate in that. Maybe later on this afternoon, take a few minutes and just sit back and slowly read Psalm 31:19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. Oh, it, it, it's this biblical principle that, you know, God reacts to the proud but responds to the humble. His goodness, his goodness, his goodness is abundant. It is abundant. And he just wants to pour it out over it. He pours it over those who fear him. It is lavished on us. 
Fear takes us to the goodness of God and joy is the response to that goodness. And he wants to pour it out on you. He wants to pour it out on me. But you gotta get in a position where he can be poured out. You can't expect to experience the goodness of God when you're resisting him at the same time. It is reserved for those who fear him, fear him. You, you, you want the warmth and the refreshment of a nice hot shower. Well, you can't turn the shower on and stand outside the shower. You gotta get in there. It's gonna be poured over you. His goodness is poured over you. When you fear, you fear him. Some of us could use a heavy dose of God's goodness. It's there for us. Oh, it's there for us. But what we need to do is humble ourselves, confess our sins, acknowledge him as the sovereign God of the universe, and let him pour out his goodness over us. It's amazing. The fear of the Lord makes us aware of his goodness. I think that that's also implied in this verse. It makes us aware, it makes us sensitive. Our eyes have gone vertical. And we, we're, we're conscious of his blessing and of his favor and what he's done for us and of his power. That's what motivated Isaiah to say, here I am, send me. When God visited him and with all that he saw, he saw the power and might and the grace and the goodness of God and his mercy. And he makes himself available to God. The text says that his goodness is set aside, stored up for those who fear the Lord. I don't want to make too much of the poetry here, but it is just, it's amazing that, that it, is, it is just accruing interest. It's there. It's stored up for us. It's all there. All of this wealth, all of the richness of his, of his goodness and grace, all of that is there. Do you fear him? The fear of God is not an abusive fear, it's a transformative fear. His goodness is waiting for you, waiting for me. He stores up and he says, and worked. <laughs> I love that expression. For those who take refuge in him, meaning his goodness is graciously released and applied to those of us who flee to him for safety and support. Come here. Come here, come under the shadow of my wings. I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'll conceal you in the tabernacle. And while you're there, I'll baptize you in goodness. What an awesome God. But ladies and gentlemen, that's the product of the fear of the Lord. I'm not trying to be some bogus salesperson here. But it's a product of, his, of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is our friend. And when we rush into his presence and we worship him, we give ourselves to him, he showers us with goodness. Crawford Lorenz here on Living a Legacy, five blessings that come from fearing God. We looked at the first two today, wisdom and goodness, the remaining three next week. We're in a series called Awestruck, and if you weren't able to hear all of today's message, go to our website, livingalegacy.org, and you can stream it there, livingalegacy.org.
Moody Audio carries many messages by Crawford, and they're available to download for free. Add them to your audio player and listen anytime. Check out the selection by clicking on the MP3 link near the upper right-hand corner of our webpage. It's always good to hear how God is using these messages in your life. Take a moment to let us know what you're learning. Look for the Contact Us link on the website. Next week, part two of The Blessing of Fear. Hope you'll be with us again. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for joining us today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.